Hey friend, this is Ryan Thomas. We're so blessed and grateful you're listening to On the Road and supporting Faith Radio. You are quite simply the best and we appreciate you so much. Enjoy the show. Discovering stories of courage, determination, and hope. Welcome to Faith Radio's On the Road. Now, here's Ryan Thomas. Well, this year has been an unforgettable one for all of us, but most of us didn't start it by walking over an active volcano on a steel cable. Our guest today did just that. Mr. Nick Walenda is the famed King of the High Wire, a world-renowned acrobat and high wire walker who authors the new book, Facing Fear. Step out in faith and rise above what's holding you back. What an absolute treat to have you here, sir. Welcome aboard. Thanks for having me. Now, I would normally ask how the guest day is going at this point, sir, but in your case, you're not suspended over Niagara Falls or hanging from a helicopter by your toes. So I'm guessing all in all, it's a pretty dull day for you, really. No, actually, I feel more at home hanging by my toes than I do uh, sitting in my office doing (laughs) interviews all day. But uh, that's, that's the world I live in. Well, I was, I was, when I read the thing about being suspended from the helicopter by your toes. I honestly thought it was a joke, but but no, you really did that. I did. I did that, and I actually um, hung by my teeth under a helicopter as well for a world record years ago. How many Guinness World Records do you hold at the moment? Is it upwards of 11? It is. I currently have 11. I believe there's two or three that I've broke in addition to that that we're still waiting on Guinness to sign Oh, sign off on sort of. They're a little bit. They're a little bit goofy to deal with. They'll reach out, telling me that I made I broke another world record, and then never send a certificate. That sort of thing. So, uh, but I believe I'm up to thirteen or fourteen now. Oh my word! Well, sir, 2020 has been an exciting year for all of us. <laughs> That's putting it mildly, but yeah. most of us haven't strolled across a steel cable over an active volcano as part of that. But of course, you have. Watching the television in that moment, there were a couple things I think a lot of us were sharing in our brains. Let me just ask you, uh, just totally indelicately, the first question directly, which is, why would anyone voluntarily go out there and do that, sir? Well, you know, that's kind of a uh, multi-answer question. So the first answer is my family started performing on wires in Bohemia back in the 1780s. So this has been going on in my family for well over 200 years, seven generations, I have walked a wire pretty much my entire life. 18 months old, I was walking a wire already. So for me, it is life. In fact, my great-grandfather in his book that he wrote in the 70s, he said that life is on the wire and everything else is just waiting. And for my family, that's very true. But to, to take it a step further, I have lived my life to motivate and inspire people and and really inspire people that nothing is impossible if you set your mind to it, even though it may seem like an overwhelmingly monumental task or even an unachievable goal. Uh, so I've continued throughout my career to set these goals and, and these these um, I've had these visions of, of continuing to push myself to do more and and again all in hopes to inspire people and and that's the reason why I walked over that volcano really was <laughs> a it was a desire it was a dream it was something that um, that I'd wanted to do for about six years now and and B it is what other way 
for a Walenda, for somebody that's a daredevil <laughs> that does what I do, um, to inspire people that nothing is impossible, then to push it to to some of the greatest lengths and limits. Now, the other thought I couldn't really shake on the volcano walk, especially, was wondering what the thoughts are in your head at that moment in this sense. Are there layers of strategy and planning that are actively happening right then? Or is it more of a situation like athletes talk about where really all the preparation just has to kick in and basically you you clear all that to the side and it's more instinct at that point? I do intense training. My training for that event involved walking on a, on a cable six times longer, both forwards and backwards, uh, with my eyes closed, with a, an oxygen deprivation mask that dropped my oxygen levels down below 70% or below 30%, I should say, right at 30%. Uh, it involved me walking in, in, uh, with heavy weight suits on, with heat suits on, with goggles that were fogged up, um, you know, trying to recreate the worst case scenario of what I would experience on that volcano. So once I get out there, well, while I'm training, I'm putting myself on that wire over the volcano. And once I get out on the volcano, I'm putting myself back into training. But again, this is my passion. It's my life. I am extremely appreciative for these opportunities. I'm so thankful and consider myself extremely blessed just to just to have these opportunities. You know, mm-hmm. some of these walks take incredible amounts of permitting. You know, that's probably one of the reasons. Uh, that no one in the world's ever done it before. No other wire walkers walked over directly over Niagara Falls because the permitting process took changing two laws in two countries over 100 years old just to get permission, <laughs> let alone the walk. You know, we all know of the story of Blondin, or a lot of people do, Charles Blondin, who walked over Niagara Falls. Well, the reality is he never walked over Niagara Falls. He walked over the Niagara River about a kilometer downstream. But no one ever walked directly over those falls. Again, I am. I consider myself extremely blessed to be in these in these positions and and on these wires that I walk on because it is my passion. It is it is my dreams coming true and being fulfilled. And that seems ironic to many people, but you know, I you know, it's it's like my it's like Michael Jordan playing in in the in the finals. It's like you know Tiger Woods playing at Pebble Beach. You know, yeah. those he would tell you, look, this is a dream come true, something that I never even thought would become a reality. Well. Yeah, it's a different sport. Yeah, mine's a little more dangerous, but it's still my passion and it's still what I grew up doing. So it's what I know and what I love. Uh, what an extraordinary story, an extraordinary life. Uh, Mr. Nick Walenda is with us today, the famed king of the high wire, a world-renowned acrobat, high wire walker who authors the new book, Facing Fear, Step Out in Faith and Rise Above, What's Holding You Back? I want to dig into your relationship with fear for just a moment, in just a moment, but you mentioned the incredible history of your family and the flying Walendas, uh, the great Walendas, all the way back to Europe, over a century of this incredible, incredible performance art that you guys have done. So I guess it's really not surprising when uh, you write about how you started out and basically there was a wire in your backyard that you started to climb on when you were just a little guy, right? Yeah, it's the reality is this is what my family does. And and to be honest with you, even further more, it's what they love and what they enjoy. I mean, the wire in our backyard is our playground. So seeing my parents having fun on that wire at a young age, as soon as I could stand up, I would go over to them and ask them to hold my hand and walk on that wire. And, and that's why, again, eventually it became second nature to me. But 
again, it is, it is, it is our passion. It is what we love doing and seeing my parents do it at a young age. I wanted to be a part of it. You know, many people think, well, you came from, you know, a 230 plus year history of doing this and your, you know, your family's done it for generations. So you must have pressure to continue on. Well, it was quite contrary to that. In fact, my mom wrote a book in the late eighties called the last of the Walendas because she didn't believe there was a future in the industry. <laughs> and she really encouraged me to go a different direction and, and not carry on this family legacy um. and, and pursue a different career uh, as did my father. So I, again, but at that point it was in my blood, it was my passion, but in no way was it as though my parents said, Hey, you're a Walenda, you got to walk the wire. It was something I wanted to do. And, and in fact became a quite a, quite a, a, almost a, a stage of rebellion in my teenage years to carry it on, quite contrary to what you would think. That's fascinating. That really is fascinating. Well, is there an element of, there has to be an element of concern, an element of worry that obviously what you do carries such risk with it. Does that part of the equation of why your parents felt that way? You know, it's funny, not really. I mean, what we do is very much calculated risk. And, and what I mean by that is I can calculate the winds over Niagara Falls and how heavy the mist are, is and how much that cable will move. And then I can train for it. I mean, I trained with 90-mile-an-hour winds for, the, for Niagara Falls, 120-mile-an-hour <laughs> winds for the Grand Canyon. Wow. So, again, try. Uh, so it's, it's very calculated. I've trained my entire life to grab that wire. If I fall, hold on, get back up that sort of thing. The reality is we all take risks every day and our, our family probably sees it a little different than most, but the reality is we can't control the drunk driver coming at us in the car, uh, you know, head on, or we can't control, even if it's not a drunk driver, just, just the car next to us uh, that's driving and, and what could happen in an accident. We can't, uh, you know, there's so many things that we don't control that, uh, that my family look, doesn't really look at it that way. Although we realize and we respect it deeply uh, that it is dangerous, that we are risking our lives. But I think when you live your life that way, you live it a lot more free. You, you live it, you know, it's easy for me to forgive. It's easy for me to move on. Uh, I live every day like it's my last, whether I'm on the wire or not. And I think wow. a lot of it has to do with, with the way I was raised. And, and again, I think that's just a great analogy for life if you can live that way. Because the reality is we don't know. This, this could be our last breath. This could be our last day. And we should all live that way. Man, thank you for that. That's uh, that is a beautiful, beautiful piece of wisdom right there, and it bleeds into the whole discussion of fear. Really, uh, in much of the coverage of this book, it's been said that you really didn't experience fear until 2017. And before we unpack uh, what happened in 2017, first of all, as someone who is still basically afraid to talk to girls, can I confirm that first part is basically accurate? Basically, no acquaintance with fear before 2017. Well, no, I would say no, no acquaintance with fear on the wire. Of course, off the wire in life, I dealt with fear, but not, okay. not the type of fear that, were, that, that was debilitating, that, that literally stopped me in my tracks and, uh, and, and it caused me confusion to the point where I didn't even know who I was or what, what I was made to be or what my calling was. So, uh, but of course, you know, you, you experience fear as a child. In fact, we're all born with, with the fear of loud noises and, and the fear of, of falling. So that is just something natural that's built into all of us. Right. So in 2017, you're practicing to perform this extraordinary human pyramid, which is something that your family is is famed for. Uh, but then things go very wrong. Yeah, that's right. We were training to break our own world record for the highest four-level eight-person pyramid on the wire. And we trained for about six weeks at different heights and then went up to full height a couple days prior to performing it in front of a live audience. And we were walking out on the wire in that pyramid. And my worst nightmare became a reality when that pyramid collapsed. 
and five of my family members and friends fell to the ground. I caught the wire by the grace of God, as did my cousin. And one gentleman stayed standing, but the rest were injured pretty bad. In fact, my sister had broken every bone in her face and was in a coma, uh, broken calcaneus and bleeding on the liver, etc. She was in bad shape. And I got on the wire the next day. You know, we all know the analogy of getting back on the horse. And, and that's, I thought that was the right thing to do. In fact, we're taught that's the right thing to do is, you know, get back on that horse if you get kicked off. So I got back on the wire. What I didn't realize when that accident happened was that there was a seed of fear and doubt that was planted in my head. And I was sort of burying it by getting back on the wire rather than dealing with it. And I continued to bury it for the next month or so as I performed and then took some time off. And when I took that time off, I started to, my family started to tell me that I was a different person. I was acting differently. I was more ornery. I was getting angry quickly. I was just a different, different person, different moods. And I just kind of blew it off. But uh, what I didn't realize is that fear was, was that seed that was planted was starting to be watered. And I continued to water that seed until about two and a half months after that, we got back on the wire to recreate the seven-person pyramid again with a few other people because others were injured, some still in wheelchairs at that time, still recovering. And I started to experience fear to the point where I would tremble on the wire. And after a couple of weeks of that, I finally went back to my apartment with my wife in New York City and said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I literally had forgotten who I was. I truly believe this is my calling in life. I've been called to do this. It is in my blood. It's in my DNA. It's my passion. And I'd forgotten all of that stuff. And fear had just crept in and just taken over to the point where it did. It stopped me right in my tracks. We're telling the extraordinary story of Nick Walenda today, the famed king of the high wire, a world-renowned acrobat and high wire walker. He authors the new book, Facing Fear, Step Out in Faith and Rise Above What's Holding You Back. Now, you're a person of uh, incredible faith in God, and it, it shows up as you talk about purpose, and it shows up as you talk about fearlessness. How did that relationship at this point keep you? How did it uh, heal you? How did it help you to find the courage uh, to rediscover that purpose? Yeah, look, I, I, as I've talked about, I believe that this is my calling. This is what God has called me to do in life. And, and even early on, I struggled with, with why and how God would use this to bring glory to his name. And as my career has progressed, it's just been proven over and over again by testimonies of people's lives that have been touched and changed by, by my testimony. And, uh, you know, I, I forgot all of that stuff when this accident happened. And, and, and when I sat down with my wife after trembling on the wire for a couple of weeks and she said, you know, I think you need to remember who you are and who you are in Christ and what you were made to be. And, and remember that, that, you know, your family's lived by the show must go on for a couple hundred years. And you live by the words, never give up and to inspire people. And, and, and that's not who you are. You're not, you're not the type of person that's going to give up. And, you know, I remember that sort of setting me back and, and, and just kind of reevaluating my life. And, and, you know, one thing that I, I, you know, the Bible's clear, be anxious for nothing. And uh, I think we're all we all get so anxious over things. And but it says by with everything, uh, by everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your thoughts known to God. And mm. and, you know, that's what anxiety is. It takes over your mind, your thoughts. So what I had to learn to do is start to cast all my cares upon him uh, and, and not accept that anxiety. And, and, and what I learned is that that God has made us, created us in him, his image with the perfect mind. And, and we alter that and we allow things to come into our minds to take over to where we don't think clearly. And we start 
focusing on the negative and not the positive. And, and basically what I had to do is realize that, look, we're in control of our minds. God God made us in his image, and therefore we can filter out the bad and, and in the good. And for some reason we're programmed to always focus on the negative and not the positive. You know, we know the analogy of the, the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other and that <laughs> conversation they have back and forth. Well, that's yeah. real. That's real in our lives, and that's where anxiety comes from. And often we will focus... Here, I, I had one accident. I'd held that pyramid thousands of times successfully, and all my focus was on the one accident, not the thousands of successful times. And we're all guilty of that. You know, you, I get in an argument with my wife, and, and, and I want to focus on, uh, you know, the arguments that we've had over 20 years and why I'm right rather than the incredible 20 years of marriage that we had. Our minds are, for some reason, programmed. And if we can learn to, to make all those thoughts known to God, to not allow our minds to go down that rabbit trail when we start to think negative, when we start to focus on the negative, to focus on his word and his promises and, and stand on that firm ground, we can overcome any challenge. What I had to do, though, is back up and find the root of fear because I didn't know what fear was on the wire. It was confusing to me. It wasn't anything I'd ever experienced before. And, and something, to be honest with you, because of pride and ego and, and everything that is expected of Nick Walenda being fearless, I didn't even... I didn't comprehend it. What's going on? I'm, I'm yeah. not, I'm not fearless. This isn't, I'm not, I'm not fearful. This isn't me. And, and what I had to do is deal with that. But then I realized that I had to deal with the shame because other people were seeing me do this and I was ashamed of it. They were seeing me tremble on the wire and, and I started to deal with shame. So I had to dig even deeper and, and pull that root of shame out and then figure out the root of my fear and then, and then pull it up, which isn't easy, isn't comfortable talk about it, give it to God, pray about it. I do a lot of worshiping. I love worship music. Uh, so I listen to worship music day in, day out, and just continue to just proclaim God's word over my life and trust in him and lay everything at the cross, at the foot of the cross, and not bring it with me uh, because he'll carry my burdens for me. And, and I just had to relearn that. It was something I'd learned my entire life, uh, being a believer at, from a young age. But I had to, I had to sort of relearn that. And, uh, and that, that is the, the just of how I got through it. Now there's a lot more, went a lot deeper. This book, Facing Fear, is really the practicalities of that and, and pertains to even those who don't believe, which I love that we have a gracious God, that uh, if you practice uh, his word, even if you don't believe his word or know his word, but you live by that, his word can never return void. So it mm. applies to everybody, and that's the beauty of, of his word, and that's the beauty of this book is really it'll apply to anybody, whether they're a believer or not. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, it is it is an incredible book. I love the fact that you not only detail uh, how you rediscover that courage, but you also give us those practical steps uh, that you talk about, you know, facing your fear, silencing shame, finding your footing, walking towards healing, and taking fresh steps of faith. And there's there is so much more meat on those bones in the book. But Nick Walenda is with us today, the famed king of the high wire, a world-renowned acrobat, high wire walker. The new book is called Facing Fear, Step Out in Faith, and Rise Above What's Holding You Back. Now, there, there are so many incredible things that you've done, but in terms of the journey that you've described for us, what you do in Times Square in New York City is one of the most poignant things because really... Uh, to me, reading the story, that's that's closing the circle on this in a pretty extraordinary way. Can you explain why that was so significant, what you did in New York City? Yeah, so I talked about that accident and how my sister nearly lost her life. We didn't know if she was going to survive, let alone walk again or be able to function normally or if she had brain damage, etc. And And about a year after that walk, I had 
been pursuing permission to do a big walk over Times Square in New York City, and I'd finally gotten permission for that. And I was on a flight home from New York City back to Sarasota, Florida, my hometown. And as I was on that plane, I was just just uh, praying and talking to God, and, and, and God laid it on my heart that I should see if my sister wants to be a part of this. You know, I talked early on about how we our goal is to inspire people that nothing is impossible and uh, and that this is our passion and it's what we love doing. And people would think, yeah, that's crazy or foolish or, or whatever they may think. But again, this is our lives. And uh, I remember getting off the plane and calling my sister. At, at that point, she had um, nearly fully recovered, not fully recovered for sure. In fact, you know, part of the book is is as she got on that wire and experienced that fear that I'd experienced and, and how she was able to help. I was able to help her work through it because I'd been down that journey before her, that path. I remember calling her and saying, hey, do you want to be a part of this? And, and the phone was silent for a second and then, then tears. And she said, man, it would be such an honor to be a part of this. And, and a long story short, within a year of her nearly losing her life, some, the, the, the apparatus that nearly killed her was what she used to bring glory to God. So not only did she recover, but Michael Strahan's a buddy of mine, and, and uh, he, he was the host of that show for us on ABC. And he said it best. He said, you know, in the NFL, being that he's an NFL player, he said, when you return from an injury, you don't return to the Super Bowl. And he said, not only did your sister return to the Super Bowl, but she won MVP. (laughs) The wire that she walked on was two times higher and three times longer than anything she'd ever walked on in public before. Now, of course, immense training went into that, months and months of rehabilitation, but also months and months of training specifically for that walk. I talked about how we walk further and higher and or further and and, and, uh, under different conditions, wind, et cetera, worst case scenarios that we'd face. So she was more than prepared to do it at that point. But that was the highest and longest she'd ever done in front of a live audience. And uh, again, the entire time bringing glory to God's name and proving to everybody, men, women, boys and girls alike, that that nothing is impossible if we set our minds to it. And with God, all things are possible. And, and, and the entire walk, she was singing praises to God, which is what we do. You know, the Bible, as I said, talks about, um, you know, with prayer and thanksgiving. When I'm on these wires, you'll often hear me talking and it's me thanking God thanking him for that opportunity and praising him for that opportunity because this is our passion and it is what we love to do. And, and I encourage anybody listening to fall onto that scripture and, and dive into that scripture of being anxious for nothing. That is a, a verse that I play over and over my head consistently. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Anytime, no matter what, that anxiety creeps in. I don't care if it is a, a, a bill that comes in. I don't care if it's an argument with your, your wife. I don't care if it's your kids. I've got two that serve in the military and the stresses of the, the condition of our nation right now. I, I continually quote that scripture of being anxious for nothing and just making all my thoughts known to God and uh, and not allowing my mind to go to those places. Because when we start to go to a negative spot, for some reason, we start to water it and we start to encourage it and say, yeah, you're right. I am a failure. I'm not good enough. I won't be able to do that. I can't leave this job and, and, and pursue my true calling in life because I've settled for status quo and, and, and I'm stuck here now. But the reality is, again, keep God number one and anything is possible. It, it just truly is. Well, 2020 has given us just a few invitations to water the plant of worry. So my goodness, uh, thank you so much for that, man. That is so encouraging. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. And, and again, just hope that your listeners are encouraged and that if you are facing fear, that again, that with God, truly all things are possible. And, and if we can just 
if we can just learn to rely on him. You know, I remember being early on in my in my life, my great grandfather in his book in the 70s, he wrote, uh, in the circus world, one day you eat the chicken and the next day you eat the feathers. <laughs> and later on in life, my mom and dad struggling financially and going through bankruptcy several times. And, and really one of my fears off the wire that I dealt with prior to this fear, this debilitating fear on the wire, was the fear of financial failure and being able to support my family and, and being able to carry on a family. And I remember having a, literally my parents going through bankruptcy, we could lose our house and everything we own. And in, in my room at 16 year old years old, just crying out to God and going, Lord, and I'll never forget this moment of revelation. And I said, God, I said, I just wish you could have given me rich parents. <laughs> and he simply, I simply felt his presence. And, and, and again, in that voice that is often foreseen as our own voice in our head, he just said, Nick, I'm your father. And if you can accept that wow. revelation that he is our father and has access to everything, finances, everything this world could offer, and so much more, if we can just accept that revelation, life would be so much easier and so much less stressful and just more, more fulfilling, I believe, if we could just accept the fact that, that, that the alpha, the omega is our father. Wow. The incredible success that you've had, Niagara Falls, Times Square, the Grand Canyon, a volcano for goodness sake. You have been in the business of topping yourself for a long time, but how on earth are you going to top this? I mean, what what is next that is going to extraordinarily uh, encourage and inspire the world, sir? Yeah, it is really tough I, at, at this point in my career because there is you know, there's a limit to what you can do in reality. <laughs> Look, I mean, there's a lot of parallels, I would say, that I'm looking at from the pyramids in Egypt to walking from one continent to another in Turkey over the Bosphorus uh, to the Eiffel Tower uh, to outer space. I mean, I'm working on things in all of those locations, and, and those would all be dreams come true. Oh, my word. Well, we will be absolutely transfixed as we watch uh, wherever God takes you next. The book is called Facing Fear. Step out in faith and rise above what's holding you back. Nick Walenda has been with us today, the king of the high wire. Sir, my word, thank you so much for the time today. What a pleasure to meet you. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for sharing in the story of this latest episode of Faith Radio's On the Road. For more on today's conversation and the full podcast archive of all our episodes, look for On the Road when you visit MyFaithRadio.com. Thanks so much for listening to On the Road. Programming like this happens because of your incredible support. You can learn more about partnering financially at MyFaithRadio.com. And we'd be so glad to connect with you during the week on social media. Just search for On the Road with Ryan Thomas on Facebook. And our Twitter handle is at OnTheRoadRyan. Until next time, God bless you, my friend.